Welcome back in everyone to a fantastic new Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. And we have another amazing show to be sharing with you today. And joining us to tell us about this show, we have the playwright Damon Chua and the director Jeff Liu, who are part of Pan-Asian Rep's presentation of Warrior Sisters of Wu. It's playing February 7th through March 10th at the Mezzanine Theater and ART New York Theaters. You can get your tickets and more information by visiting panasianrep.org. This is a very exciting show to be sharing with you because actually this story is not traditionally translated in many English forms. So this is a great opportunity for New York audiences and American audiences to get to hear such a great traditional Chinese story. So I think the better people to be able to speak about this, of course, are our guests. So I'm going to go and invite them on now. Damon, Jeff, welcome to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. I am so honored to be having both of you here, and I'm so excited to be talking about your new show, Warrior Sisters of Wu. This is very, very exciting. As I was reading a little bit of background about this story, I mean, it's it's kind of based on a, on a traditional story that came out of the end of the Han Dynasty. And as I mentioned, it really hasn't seen a lot of English translation. So more of an American audience doesn't necessarily know the story as well. So this is a very exciting opportunity. And Damon, I want to start with you as the playwright. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this show is about? Sure. As you mentioned, you know, this is based on Chinese history, but it's also based on the Chinese classics uh, written in the 13th century, 14th century, called Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And that is a 100 chapter, 800,000 word tome, which deals with a lot of stuff. And so I was, you know, I've been telling people that I could spend the rest of my life adapting stories from Romance of the Three Kingdoms. So this story, essentially, I had to hone it down. It's about two warrior sisters from the kingdom of Wu who are looking essentially to get themselves to be able to fight for the kingdom of Wu within a very hierarchical, patriarchal society. And so they had to navigate that to get what they want. So that's one aspect of it. The other aspect is that it is also inspired in some ways by Pride and Prejudice. So it is actually a romantic comedy with swords. I know it seems not to gel, the two of them, but you know that's what I usually do. I try to put two things together that may not usually go together that and see what happens. And, and here we are. It's fascinating. I love that. I'm curious to know, where did you come up with the idea? Or what inspired you to write this show? So in the middle of the pandemic, 2021, Panasian came to me and say, would you like to adapt Romance of the Three Kingdoms? And I thought, oh my God, you know, it's a classic that, you know, I know I know quite well, but I also know that there's so many stories in that. So I said, yes, immediately, without knowing what I'm going to write. And so I did research for the next six months, essentially. I tried to read, you know, most of it. I tried to focus on, okay, 
if we were to tell the story now, how would we be able to get resonances for a modern audience? Because I don't want just to write some kind of museum piece. It has to speak to the current situation. And so honing it down to these two warrior sisters uh, gave me this female forward piece that is about equity, inclusion, representation, that is, I think, very relevant even now. Wonderful. Jeff, I want to bring you on now as the director, and I'm curious to know, how did you come upon this work? I've done a couple shows for Pan-Asian Rap, and so Tisa Chang, who commissioned Damon to do this, you know, emailed me one day, and it was like, what do you think of this? And, you know, like, like anytime, it's always very exciting that someone brings a new piece of material. And then when I read it, I was like, oh, wow, cool. Because on the one hand, it is sort of Romance of the Three Kingdoms, which I honestly think probably every Chinese person has heard of. It's sort of that important a text in terms of Chinese culture. How deeply they've gone into it is a different matter, but they've all heard of it. And there's just so many kind of versions of the story in different Chinese media. So on the one hand, it was like really fun to go, wow, this is sort of like a an Asian American riff on this Chinese classic, right? And then to meld it with Pride and Prejudice, it was like, oh, wow, yeah, see? Because I have nothing against serious drama. I do a lot of them. I love plays of ideas and, and politics. But every once in a while, you do want to do something that's kind of romantic, still has sort of those ideas percolating underneath. And then it's like there's a, there's a huge sword fight in the middle of the play, which is like one of the centerpieces. And so it was like, wow, the chance to figure that out, to work with a master choreography, all of that was very exciting. And so I had a great talk with Damon and here we are doing it. Amazing. I wanna kind of build on that, Jeff. And, and I'm curious to know, as we are racing into, you know, the first performances as of this recording about two weeks away, what has it been like yeah. developing Warrior Sisters of Wu? It's been so fun. You know, as I was preparing for this, I read a lot, a little bit in history. It was a reminder of the kind of different layers, just the layers of history that add up to these characters, you know, who are based on real people, but now it's kind of their fictionalized versions, right? And each author builds on top of that. So it's like, well, how do we create this world and bring it to life, right? So as with any show, there was a whole design process leading to this, you know, how much ancient Chinese should it have? How much modern should it have? What is the style of the language? Damon's also partly inspired by what you do about nothing. And so there is a little bit of that kind of quality as well. You know, a lot of empty space because they have to be able to fight, but it's bodies moving in space, dialogue, quick kind of repartee. And so watching that come to life, feeling how it's going to play now has been a real pleasure. And of course, getting actors in a room. You know, I always say, what is theater? It's a, it's a whole bunch of nerds with different skills coming together to tell a story. You know what I mean? And everybody's actually part of the development in terms of this one's a little different in that we figured out, oh, what if we do a traverse stage, right? With audience on two sides. And of course, 
that leads you in different directions of what you do with the set and how it became, oh, okay, it's a little bit surrounding, right? We want to bring people almost like into a Chinese painting and then the painting comes to life, right? All of those things are coming out of these discussions we've had, the work with the actors in creating this world that we want to invite people into. Amazing. Damon, coming back to you, I'm curious to know, is this the world premiere of your work, Warrior Sisters of Wu? Uh, yes, it is. It's the world premiere. Amazing. So I want to kind of ask, with the inspiration behind it being this classical text, the romance of the three kingdoms, I hope I got that right, is there a specific message or thought you're hoping that audiences take away from this piece? Uh, thank you for asking that. I think... First of all, you know, a classic that was written in the 14th century in China, what is the relevance today? And my goal is to really bring forth works of Chinese literature and present it to a modern American audience to show that, look, these are wonderful works of literature that still have resonance right now. So that's one aspect of it. And as I mentioned before, the women forward empowerment angle is also something that I wanted to explore. And that is something that I feel, again, has a lot of resonances now in 2024. If I can build on that a little bit, some of what he's writing about is this kind of struggle between patriarchy, Confucianism, tradition, hierarchy, and Taoism, which historically did sort of come into certain kinds of conflict with Confucianism in terms of the ideas that were at play, even all the way back then. And his interpretation is that Taoism is much more about balance, you know, yin and yang, both of which contain elements of the other, and also how to be on some level in harmony with nature. Those are all kinds of ideas that are inherent in, the, in that philosophy. And by creating these female protagonists, he's actually getting at some of those ideas. And part of what we would love, I think, is for people to be really entertained, but then also ask some of those questions. It's like, wow, you'd think that after, you know, another thousand plus years, right, how has sexism evolved because i don't think anyone even here would argue that it's gone right so then it's like wow this is a long long ongoing journey with ideas and then the other thing i'd bring up about that sort of balance that amazing diagram which i think we've all seen of opposites and extremes somehow in harmony with each other i think that's something that is relevant about the sort of Asian philosophical way of thinking about the world as well. That underneath it all, it's like, wow, those are, those are questions I think we have to even ask now as we continue to try and figure out what a, a global society, I should say a hopefully peaceful global society is and can be. And Romance of the Three Kings of the Self, even though it's all about war and skirmishing and chaos, at the kernel of it is that question. You know, how do we citizens, people, what do we yearn towards? And what is a sort of good 
government and way of life. I love that. That is very fascinating. This is a wonderful discussion. I'm loving it. We've now arrived at my final question for this first part. And Jeff, I'm going to start with you on that. And that is, who do you hope have access to the show? Yeah, I'm sure everyone always says we want everybody, you know, <laughs> and that's, and that's true. You know, we've got our low price previews. There's always the access issue, right? With theater that in some ways it's, you know, the labor is so intensive, you know, relative to both the pay and then the, the access. I think it's going to be very special to Chinese American folks, people of Chinese descent, but also people who are just interested in, in Asian culture. I think people who, one of our actors said, it's a perfect Valentine's date because um, not only do we have Lunar New Year in this period, we also have Valentine's Day, right? It's going to be you know, fun, there's action, there's romance. And sometimes we need a little bit of relief from the world, right? I get that as well. So I know it's easy to say, but I really do hope it's got appeal on different level to whoever wants to come and share this with us. You know, I know that Pan-Asian also sometimes does school matinees, but the details of that, I don't want to get into too much because, you know, that's not exactly our field, but that's also something that's very exciting to me because, you know, there's this, oh, in a 528th Avenue where we work, someone just came up to me randomly and said, you know, she, she's a, uh, she was an Asian girl. Turns out she's an acting student. And she's like half Taiwanese, half Puerto Rican. She says, what are you working on? So I'm hoping trying to make that happen. She needs to come see this and get to know what she's getting, to, uh, getting into if she actually does move to New York next year, which is what she plans to do, so. Amazing, yes. <laughs> Damon, what about you? Who do you hope have access to Warrior Sisters of Wu? Yeah, I totally agree with Jeff in that, you know, this is not just meant for an Asian American audience. I think it is entertaining. There's romance, there's swordplay, you know, there's intrigue. So I think it's really meant for everyone. And beyond that as well, you know, during our auditions, a lot of young actors came for the audition because they've played video games that have been modeled after Romance of the Three Kingdoms. And when they saw the title, Warrior Sisters of Wu, they put two and two together and they thought, wow, I can be part of this play that is kind of not just based on a classic, but based on a video game, you know? So people who are interested in, for example, Dynasty Warriors, which is one of the video games that is inspired by Romance of the Three Kingdoms, I think they can also come to this one. We love letting our listeners get to know our guests a little bit more. Pick your brains, if you will. And I would love to start by asking you two, what or who inspires you? What playwrights, composers, or shows have inspired you in the past or are just some of your favorites? And Jeff, if I could start with you first on this. Yeah, I think I have to bring up M. Butterfly and David Henry Huang. You know, and I know 
many people who've been inspired by David's work, but to, you know, get a, a Chinese American artist to do what he has done and to bring that voice and to even lead the way and think that this is a possible kind of career path, you know, that has been very inspiring to me. I, I can remember when I first saw Le Miserable, I think that was amazing as well, both the stagecraft and the music, but also the spirit of activism. You know, there's a real progressive spirit in that that is sort of balanced with the sentiment of it. And you can see why it's become one of the sort of most beloved pieces of theater, I think, in this modern age. Plus, it gives all theater people turntable envy. But then that's another thing. I, I also think writers like Tony Kushner, August Wilson, people who really are very great artists, but also very great citizens, people who want to participate in the, politic, the, the politics of sort of civic life and realize that we, it's about sort of us in a community, however small, right? It goes from individual to family to city and then eventually to nation. And each of them, I think, has a real passion for both the art, but also the communities that they represent, want to give back to, but also want to inspire. Wonderful list there. I love that. Damon, how about you? What are who inspires you? Well, definitely David Henry Huang that, you know, Jeff said. But I also want to mention a couple of, you know, younger Asian-American playwrights. Kui Wen, who wrote Viet Gone, and who also, you know, wrote Poor Yellow Rednecks, uh, which recently played at MTC. I think he really is trying to present Asian-American stories in a different way. And it appeals to, you know, a great audience. And I'm inspired by that. Another, you know, Asian-American playwright that I love is Lloyd Sir. And he wrote The Chinese Lady. And that is, you know, a, a wonderful two-hander about Chinese history in this country. So, so those two playwrights I want to single out because I think they are great. They're doing great work. And, you know, I'm sure... The, their works are being done in a city near, you know, your listeners. So, so go see them. Beyond that, I want to mention the Public Theatre's mobile unit. And they do Shakespeare, but they do really portable Shakespeare, you know, small cast. They go around the different boroughs to Bronx, to Queens, to Brooklyn, and present Shakespeare that is performed by people of all colors and, and for audiences of all color. And it's great. And it allows access because it's free. And it allows for people to really appreciate, you know what, this is still relevant now. And I can see these people who look like me on stage and maybe it'll inspire someone in the audience to do theater. And, and that's the greatest thing. I love that list as well. Wonderful. Have either of you had the chance to see any great theater lately that you might be able to recommend to our listeners? I did notice that a number of shows in New York are closing relatively soon. And it's harder than ever to, you know, 
keep the keep things open and keep the butts in the seats. But I did get a chance to see Kimberly Akimbo. And so I wanted to shout it out and say, you know what, I believe there there's, you know, that cast is stuck together from off Robert to here and now that and maybe they'll go on, you know, tour or whatever. But I believe that might be closing like uh, April or something like that. So if you haven't had a chance to see it, it's an unusual story, but it actually does what Broadway does really, really well. So I would throw that out to, to people. Absolutely. That's that's one of the best shows, I think, that's still playing on Broadway. I have adored that show since the minute I saw it down at the Atlantic stages. So wonderful. Damon, I want to start with you next on this question. And I want to know, what is your favorite part about working in the theater? The, the wonderful thing about creating new works is that you have this absolutely green field ahead of you and you can do whatever you want. Of course, it can end up, you know, with a really bad play. And, and that's not what I want to do. So, so I do a lot of research when whenever I start a project. It may, you know, especially, it, you know, for this play, it's historical. So I got to read the book. I got to understand the history. But even with other types of play, I really want to get the background down. You know, the background of these people, the background of the storyline, et cetera, et cetera. So I truly enjoy that part of it. The research, I don't really enjoy the writing, you know, but that, that's what you have to do, right? I sit in front of my computer and I just bang it out. And what is important to me is to make sure that I showcase people and stories who are less seen on stage. I think that is very important to me. And I try to do that always. A lovely answer. Thank you. Jeff, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? I kind of alluded to it before, but it's really differently talented nerds coming into a room to tell a story. You know, we talk a lot about the power of theater in terms of what it can do positively for sort of the exercising empathy, for instance, uh, building community. We sometimes forget that the making of theater itself is an exercise in community, right? We have to create a room and we've got to create a room that we want to be in, right? So in our own little way, we have a chance to create right? A, a community, a group of people, a way of working that we think is worth doing. You know what I mean? So it's a test of our values. It's a test of our principles. It's uh, taking all these, you know, the stress, the insecurity, right? The fear, the neuroses. And then how do you make something collectively that is beautiful, right? That is of meaning, to yourselves, but then also other people, right? And bringing them in to share that. I mean, this is true perhaps of every profession, but there's a reason why people get fascinated by live performance, right? Because it's got all those extremes, right? Because it could be all about just extreme egos, right? And it also can be about extreme cooperation right? 
the great actors all know this, no matter how famous they are, they're like, you know what? You're also only as good as the people around you. And that's actually where the magic comes from, right? Not actually the ego, although we all have them. It's actually the, wow, look at this. It's a team sport. It's a team sport. And that's part of the fun. It has, you know, team team sport for for nerds uh, in a way. And I think that's what many of us who fall in love with it are attracted to. I love that. I love that. Next time someone says that theater isn't a sport, I'm going to quote you on that. <laughs> well, we've now arrived at my favorite question to ask guests. And that, of course, is, what is your favorite theater memory? Gosh, I, I thought about that. And I, I think there's so many. And, and I don't want to single one out. But my last play, The Empress Nightingale, which has been performed in you know different places, what really gets me at the end of the day, and this is a TYA play, theater uh, for a young audience. And there's pandas, there are, tigers you know it's it it's also based on a fairy tale and what gets me every time is when you sit with the audience and when the tiger comes out you know the kids in the audience are like here 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 you know and they want to interact with the tiger or they want to interact with the panda and the passion that they have is just overwhelming and it's amazing and I wish that that could be more, you know, in terms of exposure from a young age, you know, given the opportunity to see stuff like that. And so every time I sit with kids in the audience, I just love it. Absolutely. That is a wonderful memory. I love that. Yes. Jeff, how about you? I'll share a couple of thoughts. This is a, a story my mom tells. And we all know, those of us who love theater, a lot of it is because someone brought us when we were young, right? To, to your point, Inman, about the importance of bringing theater to young younger audiences. But I think this, this was a, she took me to a college production at Southern Illinois University of a musical version of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And yes, right, there were animals, there's a fawn, right? There's music and it's people singing and doing make-believe. And it wasn't, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of CGI. No, it was someone, hey, I'm a fawn now, right? And there's something about that collective sharing in theater and then the power also of words and music and dance and story and that live energy exchange that happens between an audience and a performer that I think you you fall in love with and you go wow more of that and then someday maybe one could even be part of that you know I also wanted to share part of the journey of a show that I, I was lucky enough to work on called The Brothers Paranormal, which is about a pair of Thai American brothers who, who are in a ghost 
sort of hunting business. And they end up trying to help an African-American couple who are haunted by an Asian ghost. So I had known the script was special from the moment I read it. Part of it is the, you know, it's it's got the ghost story, but also this particular intersectionality between Black people and Asian people sharing space and story on the American stage was something that we don't see all the time. And uh, so on the one hand, it's this really, I think, cool, entertaining story, which isn't necessarily about race, but of course it is because of what you're seeing. And on the other hand, it's two communities that really, really need to talk to each other more. I mean, of course, that's true of probably all our communities here in America, but that one in particular is sort of close to home because there's also so much misunderstanding and I would also call it divide and conquer, right? So that play, me and the writer, we were developing at different places for years. And, you know, he would say to me, Jeff, it's my best play and no one wants it. And it's like, well, People aren't clear if it's Black or Asian, and there's no white leads, and they're afraid that they'll need all these special effects, forgetting that you can do any theater show for $5 or $5 million. You can't. It will just look different, right? But it doesn't mean it can't be great either way. So after the the years and years uh, of developing that, and then finally getting the go-ahead, and then getting to premiere it and then seeing actually, you know, Black folks and Asian folks sitting together, watching a show, getting scared, and then going, oh, in the end, it's even very perhaps unexpectedly moving because what that writer's really getting at is this sort of how do people deal with grief and stress and trauma, but how the different cultures sort of refract it in a different way. And ultimately it's a story of connection between these two very, very, very different people, an Asian American man and a black woman. And through their experiences, they come to connect, right? So, and that play having been sort of not produced for like close to, it's gotta be a decade. Um, that show is now, I think, going to go on to its ninth production, different places around the country. To, so to have even played a small, small role in, in bringing a new piece of theater, you know, why we do new works, that's, that's something I think that I'll remember. What wonderful memories as well. Thank you both so much for sharing those fabulous memories. Those were wonderful. Do either of you have any other projects or productions coming on the pipeline that we might be able to plug for you? You know, this is what we'll do now that we have the internet, right? So when they're finally announced, if you happen to be in LA this summer, fascinating Chinese American themed drama, very political, deals with sort of anti-Asian violence and representation and yellow face, but it takes place all the way back in the era of broken blossom which was technically Hollywood's first interracial romance featuring the great screen icon, Lillian Gish, 
and a white actor playing a Chinaman. And that was radical for its time. And it was directed by D.W. Griffith, who was sort of reeling from accusations of racism because of Birth of a Nation. I had to watch Birth of the Nation to research that thing. And some of the images from that movie, they are still shocking now in 2023. So, you know, without announcing things that shouldn't be announced, if in the summer you happen to be in LA, look for that. And then in the fall, I think there's a good chance that the Brothers Paranormal will be hitting the Bay Area which is really exciting to me as well, because also of the histories of Berkeley and Oakland in terms of activism and also art. So look out for those titles. Amazing. Well, that is a good hook that leads into our final question, which is if our listeners would like more information about the Warrior Sisters of Wu, or about either of you, maybe they would like to reach out to you. How can they do so? Panasianrep.org. And if someone's desperate to reach either of us, I'm sure they can email the theater as well, and they will forward that to us. So I think that would be info at panasianrep.org. Let me say something. I'm just going to repeat what Jeff has said. You know, you can send an email to info at panasianrep.org and, you know, they can always forward any information or question or if they want to get in touch with us, that's the way to do it. Well, wonderful. Well, Damon, Jeff, thank you both so, so much for taking the time to speak with me today. This is an incredible work that I'm so excited to take in and I appreciate you sharing all your insight today and all the information about this show. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having us, Andrew. Thank you. My guests today have been the playwright Damon Chua and the director Jeff Liu, whose new work, The Warrior Sisters of Wu, is being presented by Pan Asian Rep. It's playing February 7th through March 10th at the Mezzanine Theater at ART New York Theaters. And you can get your tickets and more information by visiting panasianrep.org. You are definitely going to want to head over to that website and get your tickets now. This is a fantastic new show. There's a lot of great buzz already around it, and we hope to see you at the theater joining us to take in this great show. Again, the show is Warrior Sisters of Wu, playing February 7th through March 10th. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. And be sure to check out our website for all things Stage Whisper and theater. You'll be able to find merchandise, tours, tickets, and more. Simply visit stagewhisperpod.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by 
Jazzar, and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. Broadway.